sport administrators, sport fans and participants themselves. Sarah and Ash sit down with a bunch of inspiring female leaders from within the sports industry who share their journey of achieving their aspirations. Today's guest is one that has lived and breathed sport for as long as she can remember. In addition to her successful career in the corporate world as a lawyer, Mary Constantopoulos runs a media company called Ladies Who, which encourages women to get involved in conversations about sport through various spin-offs, including Ladies Who League, Ladies Who Leg Spin, Ladies Who Line Out, Ladies Who W League and Ladies Who Leap. As an advocate for women in sport, Mary writes for several major publications, including NRL.com and The Raw. And if that isn't enough, she also sits on the board of Hockey Australia. Mary's passion and advocacy for women's sport is truly inspiring, and we are so excited to have Mary on the podcast today. Welcome. Sarah, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, welcome, Mary. We're very excited to have you on our podcast today, a little bit different in terms of your experience. So we're excited to get into what you've done in the past. And a lot of it um, is volunteer work and off your own back as well. So it's really exciting to hear a little bit about what you do. But the question that we always ask to get started on our podcast is, what is your first memory of sport? That's a good question because I can remember my first experience of sport sort of following a team. But I guess as a kid, I remember playing sport. Growing up, I played a lot of different sports. Swimming was probably the first one that I got into. So I remember a lot of early mornings and evenings at the pool and being dragged out of bed by mum and dad. But I also remember, I think, spending a lot of time watching my brothers play sport because they were both uh, soccer, rugby and cricket fans. Um, So they're probably my earliest memories, just playing sport and being outdoors and enjoying sport and being a kid. Yeah, it's the uh, the typical Australian childhood. I think every guest that we've had who's been from Australia has said something very similar, which is which is awesome to see. Can you tell us a little bit about the Ladies for League that you run, and then maybe a little bit about how it's grown over the years and what your motivation was behind starting that? I sure can. So I have always been a passionate rugby league fan. Well, not always. I started supporting the Parramatta Eels when I was eight years old because I wanted to hang out with my dad and brothers on the weekend. So there was always sort of this real love of footy and that continued through my teenage years and as I went to university. When I started my corporate career, I was working in a big law firm and I met this incredible woman named Simone Wetton and much like everyone else I met, she realised that I had this really big passion and she said to me, maybe you should go and do something with it. And I said, "Mm, don't think so, no one will really be interested in, in anything I have to say. And she said, no, I want you to think about it. So I did, went home, thought about it, and the next day started a dodgy WordPress blog called Ladies Who League. Now, it's really important to mention that at that point, Ladies Who League was very much about encouraging women to get involved in conversations about sport, but also promoting the women that I saw involved in the sport. And at that point, that was very much women involved in the media, women as fans, women as volunteers, women as administrators. But at that point, I had no idea that women even played rugby league. So when I found out that there was a group of women called the Australian Gillaroos, who are Australia's rugby league team for women, I realised that if I didn't know who they were, then no one else would. And that's when it sort of shifted and I started talking to and getting to know these incredible women and advocating for them to have more opportunities to play rugby league. 
And since then, I mean, there's a small seed in the ground at that point, and I've had the opportunity to write for so many great publications, do some great podcasts, meet some incredible people, and just share incredible stories of female athletes, which has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, that's fascinating to see how it's grown. And also so interesting that someone who was so passionate about rugby league, especially, and this is no reflection on yourself, but there was no exposure for females who were playing sport at the time. And you mentioned that you were a passionate rugby league supporter to spend more time with your dad. I often have this conversation that, oh, I wish AFLW was growing like it is now 15 years ago and I would have had the opportunity to play because the opportunities now, both through exposure and development coming through for females in sport is, yeah, it's growing, but it's incredible to see all the young females coming through. And I think it's it's funny, when I share my story, I often use the word shame and it's a big, ugly, scary word. And I sort of almost look back on my childhood with a bit of a sense of shame because I never stopped and asked hey, dad, can girls play rugby league? Hey, dad, can women play, you know, cricket? And I think the reality is you can't be what you can't see. And at that point, there was absolutely no visibility. I just couldn't comprehend it in my mind that women would even have a chance to play a sport that I just so much associated with the boys. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely the change over the last what, four, five, six years in that space with, you know, AFLW, women's cricket, obviously up doing so well in their performance. It just makes such a big difference. So I appreciate what you do in terms of bringing even more light to that and probably leading the way in that sense as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what running the media company, Ladies Who, what that looks like day today and obviously it's actually it's not your full-time job so you know where do you find the time to fit that in as well it looks like crazy that's what (laughs) I'm going to say but I think for all of us in our lives we make decisions about what is important and we always make time for the things that are important and ladies who league has become something that is exceptionally important to me so that means sometimes starting very early in the morning sometimes finishing very late at night, sometimes being on my lunch break and trying to do a million things at once. And it can be really tricky to juggle, but I genuinely love it and wouldn't be able to sort of imagine my life without it. And people often ask sort of what inspires you and what keeps you going. I often say that women in sport as a whole inspire me because if you think about these women, so many of them are still not paid as professional athletes, yet the time that they devote to play sport is incredible and a significant amount of time whilst they're juggling, you know, other things like studies, work, family, and they do it because they love it, not because they're going to get rich from it and not because they're getting the same status as some of our more successful, say, male athletes. That tells me a lot about the importance of doing what you love and pursuing what's important to you. So I find that really inspiring and That often keeps me going during moments that are really hard. Even like a couple of years ago, I often reflect on this story. I was really exhausted. I just had a really big week with a lot of stuff going on. And I had an interview with a young woman named Claudia Bell that afternoon. And I was like, ugh, can't be bothered, feeling really tired. I've just got to get through this interview. Within two questions, Claudia Bell completely inspired and motivated me again. So Claudia plays rugby And she was talking about how much she loves rugby and how much she feels like she can use rugby to inspire other young women to stay involved in sport. 
And it just completely re-energized me. And it was like my second shot for the day and I was ready to go. And that just sort of reminded me why I do what I do. Oh, that's so nice to hear. I think sometimes that can happen to a lot of us, even we obviously work in sport, but you've had a long week and then you might be traveling, but you then might go out to a club and then you see, you know, a hundred kids absolutely loving it. And then to me, that's when I sit back and go, well, this is why I work really hard to do what I do. And I guess I am on the right path and I am doing the right thing. But it's so nice to kind of see it come full circle. One thing I did want to, I guess, ask you is, have you had any challenges with getting Ladies Who, your media company, up and running or any barriers or people, you know, kind of doubt you from the start? And if so, you know, how have you overcome them? I definitely have. And I'll be super honest. I remember back when I first started Ladies Who League, it was taking up a lot of time. And I was very, very committed because when you first start something, it's all gung-ho, right? And people think that over time it'll sort of peter away and and it won't get anywhere. And I remember my mum and dad were questioning it at the time. They're like, you're spending a lot of time on this. What are you getting from it? What are you doing with it? You've got this great job as a corporate lawyer. Are you sure this is really what you want to be doing? And I was sure. I really, really was. Like, I genuinely loved what I was doing. I genuinely loved the people that I was meeting. And I felt like I was making a really small difference. And I believe that for all of us, I mean, we can't change the world overnight. But if you can change the view of one person, then you've made a difference. And then that one person will go out and, you know, talk to another person and slowly we can make change. I guess the other really big challenge that I've had, and I don't have it so much anymore, but in the beginning was sort of trolling on social media. And I sort of experienced that a little bit through my Ladies Who League life. It's not as bad now because I feel like I've developed a little bubble of support around me. But at the beginning, there are a couple of instances where I was pretty severely trolled. And one instance where I actually had to stay off social media for about a week because I just couldn't quite handle what was going on. And it had a really big impact on me, but it also had a really big impact on the people around me, particularly my mum and dad, who were quite upset seeing me coming home so upset. But um, after that experience, I had a really good conversation with um, a mentor of mine. And I sort of came up with a couple of almost strategies to, to sort of guide me on that path and to think about if it happened again, what would I do differently or how could I sort of look at it and feel differently about it? And I came up with a couple of things. First of all, I always go back and ask myself, why did I do what I did? And if I'm still comfortable with why I did it and I still believe in what I did and I'm sort of sticking to my purpose, then that always gives me a bit of shot of confidence. But um, I don't know whether the two of you are aware of the work of Brene Brown, but she is a woman that is extremely inspirational to me. And there is a quote called The Man in the Arena. It's by Theodore Roosevelt. And it's one of my favourite quotes of all time. But Brene Brown has sort of um, shortened it. And, and her quote is, if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked with me, then I'm not really interested in your opinion. And that resonated with me and it still resonates with me to this day. The reality is there are so many women out there and men, of course, doing the work, doing the hard work. And it's not hard to be in the arena, but it's really, really easy to sort of sit in the stands and criticise or make fun. So that quote always keeps me going. And additionally, I feel like if I'm getting trolled, I'm probably poking in the right direction. 
Yeah, wow, that's amazing. One, the whole kind of story you just told us, but I really love that quote as well. I'm going to keep that one. I've seen a bit of her work, but yeah, she's amazing as well. But good on you for staying on on course with, you know, trolling can affect people and it's really damaging to some people. And I really admire how you, you took, you, you know, you went off social media straight away because you knew you needed to remove yourself from it. And I can't imagine what that would have been like at the time for you and your family. I was pretty young as well, so yeah. I started Ladies Who League eight years ago, so, you know, early 20s, I didn't really know how to handle it at that point, but I think it taught me some really valuable lessons, and the thing about trolling, actually, is that you get stronger over time. Now, people say it to me, I just sort of like water off a duck's back, yeah. <laughs> so for any woman or man going through it, I would say that it is going to be okay, and it will pass and try and come up with some strategies that will help you through. What also helps me through is that there's an amazing bubble of support around me, and particularly in the independent women's sport media space. There are some incredible women that I sort of turn to and, and know that they've always got my support, like the women that do the Outer Sanctum podcast in Melbourne, and also Siren Sport, which is based in Melbourne. They're great friends of mine, and I just I feel the support, and you feel like you're stronger because you've got those people standing alongside you. I think that story, obviously there's negative things there and trolling just is ridiculous and I would say that women's sport would have to be up there with one of the most trolled things around. It's it's ridiculous when you're you know you're watching an AFL game, AFLW game and you and you see what people are saying. But the positivity that comes out in that terms of the support that you're speaking of ha- seems to happen time and time again and it really puts a positive thing on there. You know, you're constantly hearing people say, oh well people aren't gonna go to AFLW games when they have to pay. Again, they've been proved wrong. You know, Taylor Harris got trolled. Unbelievable when that image came out and again, so much support around her and it's just turned into such a positive story. So one, I think thank you because it's people like you that have led the way and allowed that positivity to come into it and flipped it flipped it on its head and shares the amazing stories that people get to see every day now. I think also it's, you know, who is saying this thing to me and do I really care about their opinion? Like if you ask me whose opinions I care about, there's probably a list of 10 people whose opinions are really, really important to me. None of them share the trolls' views. So why on earth am I listening to some stranger on the internet? And with the women's sport trolling, like that just, it fascinates me. So I always use this example and golf people get a little bit upset, but I'm not a big golf fan. I will, of course, support women's opportunity to play in golf and hope that women are extremely successful in golf, but I'm not going to spend my weekends watching golf. I don't then go onto golf blogs and talk about how I don't like watching golf. Like I'll spend my time watching and doing the things that I want to do. So I always find it incredible when people are so critical to say AFLW, like, why are you watching? Go do something else. This isn't for you. Yeah, I 100% agree, which kind of leads us into, you know, when I was researching some of your work and and reading some of your articles, I really noticed, and you've really emphasised it already, that you focus a lot on building the women's game up and not pitting it against, you know, men versus women and poor us, we don't have it as good as, as what the men do. And we're really conscious of doing that on the podcast as well, in that this is a platform to build females up and not create a divide. We have some amazing male allies, and I love what watching men's sport just as I as much as I do as watching women's. Is this something you made sure you did and, and how important was that to you to, to have that narrative rather than having the kind of dividing? Because we have seen in some media or some sports where it's, you know, poor women, poor us, which most a lot of the time they do, I guess, have a point. But I think a lot of people get traction when it's 
trying to sell or talk about it as a positive? So there are a couple of things in that. I think the first thing is, is that I am really supportive of women playing whatever sport they want to play. So I don't want to get involved in code wars. I don't want to pit the AFL against the NRL. I think it's really childish and I think it's really unnecessary, particularly given that, like, I'm a rugby league fan because of the family that I was born into. If I'd have been born in Melbourne, probably a really different story. So I really try not to buy into that. And I'm a big fan of the idea that you can support more than one team in in different codes. So, like, I'm a Parramatta Eels fan. I'm a GWS Giants fan. And I don't see a problem with that. So we can start there. But additionally, like, I think I've been able to have some success and a bit of traction because you talk in the positive sense. So I know that I've got really great relationships with people at the NRL and people at cricket and people across the sporting landscape. And when you're positive and challenging and sort of pushing in the right direction in a respectful way, I feel like you get a little bit more traction. And I think another thing that I've really tried to focus on in my writing is I like to get it as right as I can. So I like to try and talk to the people that make the decisions to understand why they've made a decision in a particular way. So a great example is, and this isn't one that I've spoken to anyone about other than probably the players, is a three-game women's state of origin series. So a lot of women in sport fans talk about wanting that series. And I absolutely want a three-game series. At the moment, the women only play one game. But there are different considerations for the men's and the women's games. So like, The men are full-time professional athletes and when they go into state of origin camp, they pack a bag and off they go. They get time off from their club. They don't have to worry about anything else. For women to play a three-game state of origin series, they don't only have to take time off work, probably to be away from home for three weeks, but also juggle the rest of the responsibilities around their lives because sport isn't a full-time job. So whilst we can demand that women have a three-game state of origin series and really demand and want more for women's sport, We've also got to understand the context around women's sport and sort of where it is at the moment because I want a three-game series too, but I don't want women losing their job because they don't have enough annual leave to be able to go and take three weeks off to be in camp. Yeah, that's a great point. And something that really came up last year went to the hubs with other sports. So say, for example, when netball were all going up to the Sunshine Coast or, or Queensland and being in hubs, you know, netball is, as you just said, the same with female footy players. It's not their full-time gig a lot of the time. They might have work. The same considerations would have been if the AFLW needed to go into a hub-type situation. You know, a lot of those ladies, it's not their full-time gig. So it is trying to find the balance and whatever works for them. And I think we saw examples of several players making the decision not to participate in various codes. I know there were some in the NRL that just made the decision that, you know what, I can't actually take that time away from my family or I can't take that time away from my job. So when we demand more for women in sport, we've got to keep demanding and we've got to keep pushing the envelope, but we need to make sure that it's sustainable and that we talk to the athletes too because they're the ones that really matter and they're the ones whose views I think I listen to the most. Obviously, your media company would take up a lot of your time. We've spoken about the fact that you've also got a full-time job on top of that, but you're also on the board of Hockey Australia. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that experience has been like and what you've learned from that role? I've certainly learned a lot from my role with Hockey Australia and I've really enjoyed my time on the board. So I joined the board 
in December of 2019. And I think what I'd like to say about my fellow board members is that we're people that are committed to good governance, to working together, to listening to each other, and that's made for a really positive experience. Sitting on boards is always something that I've been interested in from quite a young age, because whilst I advocate in the media right now, I feel there's often a powerful advocacy position from inside the administration of a sport too. So that's always been something that I've been focused on. So I'm really interested in getting as much learning and experience as I can right now, so that in say 10 years, I'm even more equipped to sit on those boards because I feel like often people start thinking about it later in their career and don't know where to start. So Hockey Show is actually my second board. So I sat on the board of an organisation called the LBW Trust for about three years. And that was all about raising money for the education of women in cricket playing nations in the developing world. And I learned so much from that experience as well and had some wonderful experience with that board. So I think it's a useful experience. And I think any young person that's interested in sitting on a board should put themselves out there. It's a bit scary, but everyone has relevant experience and boards are always looking for you know new voices new opinions new skills so i would really encourage young people to think about that and uh, not to be afraid to put their hands up that's um i mean really inspiring for someone still so young that's you know this is your second board you're sitting on a national sporting organization board and it to me what i'm getting out of of listening to you is you're just so intrinsically motivated as well and you're very passionate about this. And I think that is what seems to be, I guess, driving you to be part of these boards and and being an advocate for women's sport. One of my good friends, Marina Go, has a great quote. It's when you get an opportunity, say yes and work it out later. And that's something (laughs) that I really hold on to, sometimes to my detriment, because it means I take on way too much stuff. But that's something that guides me to because you never know when an opportunity is going to present itself. You never know what will come of that opportunity or who you will meet. So I've always done that. And it's really my advice to anyone, actually, in put your hand up and don't be afraid to have a go. Because as I said, I started Ladies Who League as a really dodgy WordPress blog eight years ago. And now, you know, it's taken eight years and I'm sort of in a very different place now. But everyone has a powerful voice and they shouldn't be afraid to use it and develop it. And it doesn't happen overnight, but keep working at it. And over time, it builds. Yeah, amazing. I have to ask, do you think you'll ever, I mean, you obviously work in the corporate world as a lawyer. Do you think you'll ever transition into working in sport full time, you know, maybe taking up a role at um, a sporting organisation? Or are you happy to kind of keep your two lives a little bit separate? At the moment, I'm really enjoying the juggle and it may come to a point where I need to spend a day a week doing Ladies Who League and work four days of my corporate job. But as a lawyer, I'm very interested in sort of governance, administration and the legal issues surrounding sports. So potentially one day in the future, I might move into a role like that. But at the moment, really enjoying the juggle and love where I work and sort of keeping the two worlds separate and using the different sides of my brain. Good to see that Sarah is using the podcast to potentially try and poach people in the future. I feel like that was a bit of a loaded question, but no. I'm just but I think that's wondering what... how. I'm just where does she fit it in? Like in the hours of the day, like no, I just feel lazy. No, <laughs> no, no way. No, it's a very good point. But I, th- I think that what you've spoken about there in terms of you know you you sort of keeping them separate at the moment, but you love the governance and you do work as a lawyer. There are so many different opportunities in sport 
now as well, though, you know, we've got integrity teams and governance teams and government relations teams and, and things like that as well. So there's always opportunities if you did want to if you did want to take a full time role in sport. Do you have any advice for maybe people who have gone down a path like yours? You know, they might have studied to be a lawyer, they might have studied marketing or something like that, but they want to get involved in sport because it's their passion? I would say just keep an eye out for opportunities and take every opportunity to build your network. So networking is a bit of a weird word. I like to think of it more as just making friends. And I sort of think about like the early days of Ladies Who League when I didn't know anyone. I would pay to go to events just so that I could get in front of people. And I know that that puts me in a really privileged position, but there are always opportunities to go to events, go to industry meetings and just get to know people. So I think that that's really valuable. And in circumstances where you have an opportunity to meet someone and you're in a room, I would absolutely take that opportunity. My mum is someone that has taught me that and she does it more with celebrities. So if a celebrity is in the room with my mother, her and I are getting a photo with that celebrity no matter what. We did it with Jimmy Barnes last year and I still laugh because we managed to push our way to the front of the room. But introduce yourself to as many people as possible and don't be afraid to tell people that you're interested in an opportunity because often people don't know like unless you actually voice it and say, hey, but, you know, I'm really interested in, in marketing or I'm really interested in this, might there be any opportunities at your organisation in the future? That person might not have known. So you've at least given them sort of the hint that you're interested and they may come back to you later. So meet as many people as you can. Don't be afraid to take a bit of a risk and have a go because, as you mentioned, sporting organisations are just getting bigger and bigger and there's more and more opportunity for people with diverse skills and um, yeah, voice it, say, this is what I'd like to do so that people are aware of your intention. Yeah, I think that's really great advice. You've mentioned a couple of times, a couple of your, your favourite quotes. Is there anyone in particular, and you, and you had a, a mentor, so is there anyone in particular that you look to for inspiration or do you have, you know, formal mentors? How do you, I guess, continue to develop while you're developing yourself? So there was a point where I had some mentors, but it actually got to the point where I signed up to too many mentoring programs and had too many mentors. So that became a little bit overwhelming. But I do have, for want of a better word, a life coach. So I've been seeing my coach now for maybe four or five years, and it's an hour and a half every six weeks where I sit down and just have the opportunity to reflect on what's going on have a think about some goals or think about some experiences that I could have handled better or think about some things that are coming up in the future and how I want to handle those. And that time has been so, so valuable. Pretty much every goal that I've set with my coach has sort of come into fruition, maybe not at the time that I wanted to, but in due course, they always sort of come into play. But additionally, she's taught me a lot about language and even just the work around trolling. She was a big influencer with that. And at times as well, when I think that there's too much going on and I get a little bit anxious, she's also given me some really great tools to sort of deal with that, like taking a big breath, writing a big list of all the things that are going on and crossing off the things that, you know, the ones that are worrying me. So my life coach has been really, really helpful. And then I sort of just also look to the amazing women in sport, people on social media that just keep showing up and keep fighting the battles. I mean, at the moment, there is a lot going on in Canberra. So the wider feminist discourse is working very, very hard. And I just look at the amount of men and women that consistently turn up and show up. And I find that really inspiring. 
You mentioned there that with your life coach, you often talk about, you know, what's coming up next and, and what your goals are. Is there any there that you might want to share with us in terms of what's next for you? Oh, gosh, I haven't seen my coach in a couple of weeks. What is coming up next for me? To be honest, Ash, this year is really about rebuilding Ladies Who League. So to the untrained eye, it might look like things are swimming along really well, and they are swimming along beautifully. But the pandemic had a pretty significant impact. So I lost a lot of my writing work. I lost a lot of my MC work. And I lost a sense of community, I think. So in Sydney, and I imagine the same for Melbourne, there are a lot of sporting events happening every single week and a lot of opportunities to go to women in sport events or just to be in and around sport. And all of those disappeared last year. And, you know, there are people that I know through sport that I don't catch up with for coffee on the weekends because I see them every couple of weeks at sporting events. And I just completely lost all that. And I found that really, really hard. I felt extremely disconnected and just missed my sporting family. So this year is sort of about working out where the landscape is going to fall and sort of what the opportunities might look like. So I'm in a bit of a holding pattern, I would say, this year, Ash, um, but maybe next year I can give you some um, hints <laughs> on what's to come next. I'm just think, glad it's all coming back, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I think a lot of people this year are using last year if COVID provided us anything, it was a good chance to reflect on what's important to us and where we want to be passionate and spending our time. And this year, I think a lot of us will try and rebuild or, you know, we're starting a podcast. So, you know, that's something that we're having a crack at. So yeah, completely understand what it must have been like to lose a lot of that work and that networking. Um, A lot of us, you know, go to sporting events just to spend time with our friends and and catch up. So, you know, we both went to our first um, AFL men's game last week and to have, you know, 50,000 people back at the MCG is crazy for us Melburnians. So, yeah. It's we don't really want to talk about round one though. So, we'll, we'll yeah, be we'll both our teams. So, actually, let's not talk about it. <laughs> it just feels good to be alive again. So, yeah. I went to my first live NRL match last Thursday night and my team played the Melbourne Storm and it was a big game because we all know how exceptional the Storm are. And Parramatta won, but like in the era I was in, everyone's getting up and yelling and cheering and getting really fiery and passionate. And I just stopped and thought, gee, it just feels good to be alive again. That was 100% the feeling at the AFL, in the MCG, the siren, the crowds. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Mm. I did want to ask you, and this is a bit of a long-term, you know, thought-provoking question, I guess, but... In 10 years from now, where would you like to see women's sport as part of, you know, our society? When I think back of women's sport where it was 10 years ago and how far we've come, I think the opportunities are endless when I can think about what the next 10 years might look like. And I'd be love to hear your thoughts on that. I just want to see when it comes to women in sport, women embedded at every aspect of the organisation. So I want to see female athletes, I want to see our athletes doing well and have established sporting leagues and being paid like professional athletes. I want to see female referees, female administrators, female CEOs, women in the media. I mean, it's already happening, but I think there are a couple of spaces where there's real opportunity over the next 10 years. And one that I've been really interested in over the last couple of weeks, because I wrote a piece for NRL.com about sort of how far the women's game has come, but where we're sort of heading. Women's coaching, I think, is a really important growth space in the next 10 years and a space where there is a lot of potential and opportunity 
But additionally, I think it's so important that the media landscape changes. Like, it's just not okay that you're leafing through the paper and it takes, you know, nine pages from the back page to see women's sport. I don't think that reflects where we are as a country and as a society and the interest in women's sport. So I'm really hoping that that changes over the next 10 years as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that'll be really exciting. And the the coaching space is, I think, you you know, it's such a big opportunity. You know, they're seeing women coaches in the NBA and and things like that now. So that's only going to continue to grow and um, it's very exciting to see what will happen there. What about for you personally? What would you like your legacy to be? To be honest, Ash, if I've had the opportunity or the chance to lift one woman in sport and share the story of one incredible athlete, then my job is really done. There was sort of an experience that I had a couple of years ago where I met an incredible woman named Chantelle Keating from a company called EIS Super at a Sydney, at a Rabbitohs, at a Rabbitohs event. And Chantelle came up to me at the end of the event and said, hey, Mary, love your work. Think you're great. We're really interested in sponsoring some women's sports teams. Can you help? And I thought, oh, okay, I'm sure I can. How am I going to do this? And I ended up sending out a tweet saying, look, I've got a company that is interested in sponsoring some women's sports teams. Please get in touch if you're interested. I was inundated. And Chantelle and I worked through them all. I sent them all on to Chantelle, every email that I got. She responded to all of them. And EIS Super ended up sponsoring some women's sports teams. And to me, that was just such a huge impact. The thought that I could have even been just a little connector, getting sponsorship for women's sport and making real and meaningful change meant a lot to me. I um, I got asked a couple of years ago when I'm going to stop. And I used to say, like, when we see Ash Barty on the front of the paper all the time, like, that's when I'm going to stop. When we've got professional established women's sporting leagues across the board, that's when I'll stop. I think the truth is I'm probably never going to stop because I just love doing what I do too much. But if it were to all end tomorrow, I would just look back with such a sense of gratefulness and just be so thankful for the people that I met, the opportunities that I got and the stories that I had the chance to share. So that's sort of how I feel about all of it. That's really nice to hear. And I think from what you told us today and from what we've read online, you're already achieving a lot of that and far more than just one person. So you should be really proud of what you've done so (laughs) far, but we look forward to continuing to hear from you in the future. Yeah, I can't see you stopping anytime soon. Like listening to how motivated you are, there's like no chance in hell. I have one final question for you. Yeah. You've already offered us so much advice and I've absolutely loved listening to what you have to share with us. But I guess, do you have any top tips that you would maybe give to a as female sports administrator starting her journey or potentially someone that's just really passionate in sport and wants to do it potentially in their spare time? You know, what would your, your top three tips be? Number one. Don't be afraid to have a go because as we've heard, we started from a dodgy WordPress blog and here I am now. So don't be afraid to have a go. If you have an idea or something that you want to try, don't just leave it sitting there. Have a go and the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work out. You say I've had a go and then you try something different. So have a go. Number two, don't be afraid to ask for help. And this is probably one that resonates with the two of you starting a podcast. I don't know what your experience was like, but when I was podcasting, people would often ask, how did you get your guests? And I replied, because I asked them. Often people are very, very willing to give you their help. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And I guess the third one is find your passion. So sport is obviously mine, but I think everyone has something to offer. And whether you're passionate about sport, the environment, the law, 
find your passion and and go after it because Ladies Who League is really the thing that gives me the twinkle in my eye and I can't really express how grateful I am for everything that I've learned and how I've changed as a person because of my involvement with women in sport. So find your passion and chase it. But I think the top two tips are to absolutely have a go and don't be afraid to ask for help. Those top two tips in particular have been, I guess, really important for Sarah and I when we start the podcast as well. Obviously, we're only a few episodes in, but you do worry about, you know, what you've got to put yourself out there to do it. And then, as you said, just just go and ask to get people on there. So, it's you know, it's tips that we're definitely living by at the moment and we really appreciate the advice. And to your point, no one said no. You, you know, everyone that I've reached out to has been, oh, love it. Yep, definitely. Exactly. That's all it takes, yeah. just reaching out. I mean, it can be scary at first, but yeah, just reach out and people will often offer their assistance. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mary. It's been so great to speak to you and we love what you do and we hope everyone who's listening goes and checks out the Ladies Who League pages and all of their various spin-offs. I'm sure all of your work will entice some people to have a read, but thank you so much. Hopefully we can speak to you again soon and good luck with it all. I would love that. And thank you to you both, not just for having me, but for the incredible work that you both do. It's really important that we amplify each other's voices and support each other. And I think it's something that women do a really great job of. So thank you to both of you for your advocacy and for having me. It's been a really lovely chat. Thanks, Mary. Thanks so much, Mary. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sports Intuition Podcast. If you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave us a rating and any reviews. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.